On today's episode of the Wanderings and World Gathering podcast, Metalhead Mundy's here. We talk smack about teabags because he's not here to defend himself. We discuss our dream lineups, and we review the new Amanda Palmer. Stick around. We have lots to talk about today. It's another episode of Wanderings and World Gathering. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 21. The episode when we are officially legal and able to buy our own beer. We say goodbye to our seedy old brother's friend who's laden with rat features and who will buy us anything if we float him a five. And say hello to the pleasant lady behind the counter. I'm Foggy, and tonight with me as always is JPP. What up? Sadly not Teabags, who is away on assignment and longtime friend of our lives and the show, Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind, it's boy band time, it's Metalhead Monday. Nice. I put that together for you this afternoon. I sound like Mr. Krabs on vocals from SpongeBob, but uh, you know, it works. I was going to ask who that was, man. I did not think that was you. <laughs> That's me doing the Mr. Krabs. <laughs> hey, Paul. Yo. I'm just wondering, when can Foggy get a theme song? Well, I, I will work on that for sure. But right now, <laughs> I'm going to give you an honorary. I love that. I'm just hoping that you can give me something to do with Rush that my wife will hate. Um, I can do that with lots of synth. Oh, dude, can you do uh, Can you do Getty, though? Oh, yeah, I can probably do that. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. It's uh, episode 21. I can't believe we've gotten this far this fast. We've gone and, wild. Uh, week, we have gone wild, and this week we're going wild without uh, tea bags. He is away on assignment, but thank goodness we have. <laughs> I can't even uh, hear that and think straight, but uh, <laughs> replacing him this week is... Uh, Metalhead Monday. Jeremy Monday, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Happy to have you, man. Great. How we are so happy to have him. We talk to him every day, so this is like just any other day for us. Um, how was everybody's weekend? Very good. We've had a pretty productive weekend overall. It's been a blur. Um trying to think. I think the uh, major accomplishments is my daughter stepped up to yellow belt in Taekwondo. So that's awesome um you know makes me want to write a song a la the uh, karate kid vein with the you can do it you got the power you know that kind of stuff so i need to create a montage video of her doing her moves and all that stuff through the years with a complete soundtrack laden with synths and guitar i love taekwondo that's awesome (laughs) yeah i love seeing the pictures of her because it's really hard for me to imagine her being aggressive at all yeah well she's not really aggressive (laughs) but she's definitely more defensive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, our weekend was pretty good. We had uh, had the boys this weekend, and you know, my 17 year old, I barely see him. He's working, he has friends, he has bands, so barely see him. And my 14 year old actually started working this weekend. He started a job, so man, he was very excited. He, yeah, he wants he wants his own money. He likes having his own money, so he found a job. So. I, I remember that feeling. It's always good for sure. Um, I remember our days of working fast food together, whopper flopping and spending my uh, my check that was under five bucks an hour on music gear. It took me forever to get it out of layaway, but I still did it. And not to mention albums, lots of albums. 
yeah, he uh, he's going to be like just busting tables and uh, being, I guess, a host, seating people and stuff. So at a local restaurant. So nice. But he's excited. Good, good. How about yourself, Foggy? What was up with you this weekend? <clears throat> well, I did have a weekend. Sweet. Anyway, <laughs> let's. No, just kidding. I don't know. That, yeah, seriously, I didn't. I uh, didn't do a whole lot. Um, watched the Blue Jays, watched Blackhawks, and uh, worked on my uh, master's program to get my administrator's license. Seriously, my life is just pathetic right now. Honestly. You made some killer-looking chicken, that's for sure. I'm going to tell you one thing right now that I'm really excited about. Hmm. And um, so, okay, you guys know this because uh, I'm a member of Outside the Nine, which is a, a Slipknot group. And yeah. uh, so I got, you know in early to buy tickets last week we got to buy them on wednesday the official tickets went on sale on friday so we got uh, early tickets so i bought a bunch of tickets and uh, one of the the persons that i bought tickets for bought it really for his son mm. he's not a fan of the group in fact actually he hates you know any kind of music like this he you know he's not a big yeah. fan of, of people who growl and all that kind of stuff so what I'm doing is right now is every other day I'm sending him a song from Slipknot trying to break him in. And then he sends me a song back that I'm supposed to enjoy. And uh, it's been pretty cool so far and uh, he's enjoying it. He's actually breaking in slowly. I'm bringing him in and it's going to be awesome. And eventually he will be a maggot like the rest of us when he goes to the show uh, next July awesome. or August, actually it's August. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, I wondered how that would go because I know he does not. I, I've been there, like I, I think I was at your house when Kyle was there with his son one time, and they were talking <laughs> about Slipknot, and man, he was ragging on him. It was pretty hilarious. So I wondered how that would go. <laughs> yeah, it's not going well, but um, my just kind of <laughs> like sneaking it in little by little. There's certain songs that will just ease you into the group, so I'm hoping that's going to work. Um, I think it's going to. And um, that brings us to the challenge of the week. Weekly this is a challenge. big challenge. Ooh, the weekly challenge. This one is terrible, actually, because um, everybody I talk to can't come up with four, five, six, seven. It doesn't matter how many members you get of this group. If you're trying to come up with the ultimate band of anywhere from three, four, or five members, People are really struggling with it. So that's the uh, the challenge this week. Have you guys had trouble with this? Yes and no. Um, I think for me, the biggest piece was trying to come up with a, a sound, a group that would blend well together. Um, I, I ultimately got it going, but it took me a little bit. I, I actually had four or five different drafts before I came to my final conclusion. Um, I didn't have too much trouble, actually. Uh, once I figured out what kind of sound I wanted to go for. Uh, it, it fell into place pretty quickly. Um, I had like a last minute addition that I wasn't sure if I was going to include or not, but it's all good, man. I'm ready to go. Sweet. So, so when you guys thought about this, were you thinking of just the absolute most excellent, excellent musicians, or were you thinking of people who could play together? Uh, both for me. I, I, I kind of struggled 
like when I say ultimate band, I, you know, you guys probably remember when I was on before I had like the rhythm section challenge. So mm-hmm. when I'm thinking ultimate band, that's the first two people that popped into my head was Timmy C and Brad Wilk from Rage. But I'm like, mm, I don't really want to reuse them. So I just kind of was thinking about what I wanted to do. And I settled on just building a kick-ass metal band. And names started dropping into place there. And I have a nice little twist that I think you guys will enjoy. So. Awesome. What, what about you, Paul? Um, I went for, well, you'll see it when I get there because I, I certainly cheated. I pulled a, or in other words, a T-bag. But uh, I came up with two drafts, <laughs> but they're quick and to the point. Um, but I certainly went for kind of a blended band that would be, that would sound good. Also from a dynamic standpoint, people that would complement each other well, I think. And then also in the other draft, I wanted to kind of experiment and play with different ranges where um, everybody had a particular unique strength and how they can uh, maybe see how they stand out amongst each other, but also play together. It's going to be kind of an an abstract, um, I guess, for lack of a better way to say it, like a, a chili burn, or as Mundy would know from my mom's cooking, a burgoo, if you will, a mix of various <laughs> ingredients that, uh, you know, yeah. don't make sense, but ultimately it tasted great. So that's, that's the good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Yeah. This was really interesting for me because I was thinking of like, who is the ultimate person playing this instrument, this, and it didn't always work together. Mm-hmm. So I think I can, came up with a group that that works together um and i've got three people who responded online um with their bands so let's start with those first before we get to ours perfect okay so chris branch he came up with on vocals and guitar roy orbison nice on bass which is this is just ludicrous flea (laughs) (laughs) on keyboards billy joel and then on drums, Alex Van Halen. Interesting. A very, <laughs> a very fun band, but just doesn't seem very seamless <laughs> in the execution. But hey, whatever. I'm just picturing right now Alex and Van, Alex Van Halen and Billy Joel playing together, especially on Hard Attack, hack, 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 and Alex is just <laughs> da, 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 on the snare with them. <laughs> I mean, and then of course Flea just on top of it, and Roy is just probably going to sit back and say, "I'm, I'm going home." <laughs> I love this one because this person is like totally deadpan. Brian Benson says, on vocals, I would like Robert Plant. On guitars, Jimmy Page. On drums, guess who? John Bonham. Yeah, on bass, John Paul Jones. Man. Hmm, interesting. That would be interesting to see how that works. I, yeah. I c- can't imagine yeah. it. I suspect they trouble go up with that one. too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then this one's kind of interesting. This is a five-piece uh, group uh, from Clay D. He uh, came up with on vocals, Michael Stipe on uh, guitar, uh, Gilmore, David Gilmore, and uh, Roger Waters on bass. Uh, Contrell from Allison Chains on rhythm guitar, and Jimmy Chamberlain from the Smashing Pumpkins on drums. That would be cool. So, I got to say, if I'm building a super group, uh, Michael Stipe would not be my go-to. Uh, yeah, me neither. I'm a fan of, you know, older REM, but that's, yeah, that's, no. <laughs> not, not super group. <laughs> no, definitely not super group. But beyond that, um, 
when this person told me that they were going to put Roger Waters on bass, I screamed at him with Getty Lee and about 25 exclamation points. <laughs> Just saying. Nice. Since, uh, <laughs> since T-Bags is not with us today, shall we uh, go ahead and submit his as a write-in? Oh, absolutely. He's away on assignment, so let's go ahead and give him. So his first one, because he loves the group Pentatonic so much, uh, he had right. an a cappella supergroup. Okay. It basically comprised of three key people. The first is Michael Winslow as the band. He'll be doing the drums and the guitar and all the <laughs> instrumentation by mouth. Kidding, right? No, I kid you not. <laughs> David Hasselhoff is going to be the, uh, the the crowd pleaser, the guy that kind of pumps the the crowd up, and then Michael Bublé will be the smooth vocalist for all the ladies out there, so that way there's a mix of people in the crowd. I love that, by the way. Hey, Steve, you know they have Hasselhoff, so they're already huge in Germany. That's right. Yes, and it's pronounced bubbly, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, and Hasselhoff is a true survivor. I don't know if you've seen, um, I'll, I'll have to put it in the show notes. There's a movie that came out a couple years ago. It was a crowdfunded independent film. And he did this theme song with uh, a guy named Mitch Murder. And it's fantastic. It's, you know, it screams of 80s. So um, uh, what was it? Uh, Something Fury is what the name of the movie is. I think I'll have to look it up. It's kind of skipped my mind at the moment. So in, in other words, t or sorry, in other news, Tony's real submission. I've got that here in, in uh, my text message. So it is, he said he wanted a gritty experimental band of competent musicians. I'd hope they would have recorded an album together, then toured to support it. And here's the lineup. Of course, Danny Carey on drums on bass, Cliff Burton guitar mm -hmm. would be one Tom Morello and uh, surprise, surprise vocals would be Maynard James Keenan and surprise, surprise, surprise on vocals, keys, guitar, tambourine, etc., would be Trent Reznor. So it would be a super group of people who play on their strengths, and then Trent would certainly fill the house with all the extra instrumentations and samples and such to iron out the lack of people that he could actually truly put in there since he was limited to five people. Okay, to that I say lame. Tea yeah, bags, really? About, Come on. That's about the most tea bag submission there could ever be. <laughs> So are can you we saying, call that teabagalicious? Can you say, are you saying that he gets a for his submission? Absolutely. Always. <laughs> Teabags. Got it. Yeah. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm with uh, Metalhead on that one. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Um, so, yeah, that was uh, what he submitted in the grand scheme of things. Shall we let the Metalhead go next? Yeah. Metalhead, what do you have? All right, guess first. Um, okay, so like I said, I pretty much just went, tried to build a kick-ass metal band. It's kind of what I settled on. So <clears throat> first name that popped into my head, the first name that popped into my head was uh, Mr. Dave Lombardo on drums. Sweet. Who is, uh, for the uninformed, is he's the former drummer of Slayer. He was with them through their rise to superstardom and all of that. He's been in several other bands. He's, he used to have a great band called Film, E-H-I-L-M. Yes. Uh, he's just kind of all over the place. He's done a lot of stuff with Mike Patton. Mm -hmm. Excellent drummer. He can play anything. He's got quick hands, quick feet but he can he plays jazz all kinds of stuff and he's been working with suicidal tendencies if not if i'm not mistaken yes he has 
And so from there, the next logical step, uh, for my money, probably the best rhythm guitarist ever, you know, got to go with Papa Het, mm-hmm. James Hetfield. And uh, he's, he, he, I mean, he's the wrist. He is the wrist. Mm-hmm. Like, if you need rhythm guitar, he's your man. Plus he's an awesome singer. I've always loved James. Um, on bass, I went with, uh, most people probably won't know a dude named Brad Divins, who I think, Paul, you might have mentioned him a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my faves. Um, but yeah, he's a killer bass player, and he's got an awesome, awesome, like, gravelly voice. Um, he's from, he was in Wrathchild America, and then they became Souls at Zero, two awesome two of my favorite bands from the 90s yep and actually on his instagram he had some uh tbt photos some throwback thursdays of him when he played guitar in kicks oh holy cow what yep wow (laughs) yeah it's pretty wild are you talking about that serial kicks it's what kids want right (laughs) no this is don't close your eyes all right yeah Yeah, don't close your eye eyes (laughs) Yeah, buddy. <laughs> but it's also fortified with all the vitamins and minerals you need as part of a balanced nutritious breakfast go ahead Monday. sorry that's true <laughs> all the best ones are that's right uh my second guitar player uh who's he's a great rhythm guitar player he also can throw some killer leads is one uh devin townsend oh yeah or uh heavy devi as he's sometimes known mm-hmm. um used to have a band called Strapping Young Lad. Now he's doing kind of his own things, the Devin Townsend Project. Uh, he's an amazing player. He can play anything, and he is an awesome singer. That he is. You see where I'm going here? Yep. <laughs> so I've got these four guys, and they're all amazing players what they do, and three of the four of them are awesome singers. So I feel like they could do some crazy stuff. And they can go anywhere they want, vocal-wise. They've got a lot of options there. But what I wrestled with was throwing somebody else in there. And I kind of decided to just because I thought it would be interesting. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of a band called Ginger. No. No, I have not. A-I-N-J-E-R. Ginger. Uh, you should really check them out. And I will tell you the first thing you want to look at is if you type in Ginger Pisces, uh, the video that pops up is like kind of a live in studio. It's amazing. And their singer, their singer is a girl named Tatiana. I'm going to butcher this last name. She's Ukrainian. Her name is Tatiana Shmaliuk. I've heard of the, um, I think I've heard of her. I, I know the Tatiana portion of it. She's amazing. She is a beautiful, beautiful singer. And then she can flip on a dime and do sick, growling death metal vocals. Like she's amazing. Sweet. Unbelievable. Very cool. So, but so I've got the four guys, all great musicians, three singers, and then her on top of that. I feel like they could do anything. <clears throat> very cool interesting that's, that's a great lineup for sure 
How did you spell ginger again? Was that J or G I N J R? No, J. J I N J I N J E R. J E R. Okay. Got it. Cool. I love it when we get new songs or new groups. Fantastic. All right. uh, JPP, what do you got? Well, seeing that I played the rules of teammates, I have two submissions. Um, Son of a bitch. God, I got to start doing this. I issued the challenge. I got like five, right? Uh, yeah, you can have five. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> I'm going to abuse that because it's just too fun. Uh, without him here, I have to. Um, you know, you have For to sure. carry on his uh, his presence either way. So I I created two dream bands. I call this basically uh, the living and versus those we've lost. So I have uh, those that are still with us. And it's pretty cut and dry monday you'll see where i'm going with this i have scott ian on guitar yep i have That's doug Pen- doug pinnick on bass yep. and a solid bass player great vocalist as well i also have john bush on vocals um uh, because i love john bush and i know him and scotty worked together well and i think that they would still continue to work well um i also chose papa het because He's a great singer, great rhythm guitar player. And now when it comes to lead, I really thought heavy about that. James can actually play some leads, but he's great with harmonies. So I'm sure him and Scott could work out some cool arrangements just to balance out some melody yeah. here and there. But overall, it's just going to be a wall of sound. And then on drums, are you ready, Mundy? No. Art Cruz. Oh, hell yes. I love art. <laughs> so yeah yeah he's awesome awesome fella art is uh the drummer from prong he's he filled in uh with lamb of god on their last tour and he was in he's in a band called winds of plague monday and i've had the pleasure of meeting him him winds of plague yeah not much i've heard a couple songs here and there i mean i i really um kind of at the time I was so immersed in prong and what he was doing with that. I definitely need to dig in deeper and and check that out too. But Monday and I went to see prong in Kokomo at a little club. And it was one of those nights where they had a million opening bands and prong didn't show on until way past our bedtime, but we still stayed up and endured it floored. I didn't know what the lineup was going to be, but Jason Christopher was a fantastic bass player with, with Tommy Victor and art just blew us away because he's young, he's energetic and he played the songs well and just added the energy. And what's even crazier is Tommy's been a veteran in the lineup for years. I mean, he's the founder of the band, but he still did the jumps and got down on his knees. Like he was, you know, mimic, not mimicking Eddie Van Halen, but he just had that energy after all these years. And I'm sure the lineup really complimented that. So, you know, shout out to art. Thanks for being a really good dude and keep doing what you're doing. I just see you excelling every time you post updates. So I felt he was worthy of that lineup. Yes. And you add to that, like you made a connection with him at that, at that show, Mm -hmm. which led to us getting uh, guest passes into when they played in Indy. Right. And so we just, we got into the show for free and that was a, I mean, I think that room was smaller than the bedroom I'm in right now. Like it was <laughs> tiny, crazy. Yeah. And after we got to talk to everybody after the show and Art, he's such a cool guy, just super, super nice and accommodating and, mm-hmm. you know, didn't even didn't <clears throat> bat an eye putting us on the guest list and great dude. Yeah, and definitely. Amazing. 
And, and if I can, you know, not to derail this, but if I can just add to that, that club, what cracked me up the most about it was there was the stage. It was in an industrial park. So there's people that build, you know, like stages and their drywalling teams that supply their stuff there and all that stuff. And somebody rented out one of the garages to turn it into a venue. So you've got this yeah. empty warehouse and there's a stage in, in the front of it. And there's a little upstairs area where the guys can go and you know, get away from the crowd. But over to the right was this little door. Like it would go to a, where the secretary would be in to answer phone calls. There was a guy with the door with a window open on it, just headbanging. And he was serving like cans of Coke for next to nothing. And the whole time he was just bobbing his head to the group. And it was just like, this is so surreal. But those guys played that place like they were playing an arena. So you got to you know give it up to them that they just dominated no matter where they were at. Good time. Yes, indeed. Okay. So anyway, now back to my off. Now that I'm off my tangent, those that we lost, I created, um, this was tough. This was the toughest part. It's like, cause I really needed to create an experimental band and people that could do some interesting things. Um, and this is going to be really left of center, but bear with me. I picked the following on bass and vocals. I picked Peter Steele. Um, you know, oh, wow. gone way too soon. I absolutely love Peter. I think he's just an, he was an interesting character. I loved the deep growl that he did that was real quiet and just kind of eerie. But when he sung higher too, I thought that, you know, he just really played the dynamics very well with his tunes. Um, also on bass and vocals, I added Lemmy. And the reason being Ooh, is I, like I felt that. like, I felt like these two guys, you know, they were completely different from each other, but it would be interesting to see how they would kind of put themselves in a room and create something where, because Peter definitely could play higher register stuff quite a bit. And, and he did that to complement the keyboards too. Um, so I thought that would be an interesting contrast. I put yeah. Nick, Nick Menza on drums. Oh, wow. Yeah. Also gone way too soon. And uh, a balls out player, man. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll never forget hearing Rust in Peace and, you know, him just blasting out that opening track. It's like, holy crap. But uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely miss that dude, uh, you know, out and about. Chuck Schuldner on guitar, oh. also a powerhouse. Oh, heart is breaking. <laughs> I know. Chuck was uh, a, a powerhouse musician, interesting vocalist. You know, he definitely was more kind of a higher pitched, growly death metal guy. But um, he always played some really interesting phrases and leads and, and you know even rhythm guitar parts they just had kind of a, a not necessarily an atonal nature but certainly kind of a exotic music flair uh with his style and then last but not least i put randy Rhodes on there only because mm. i think that him and lemmy uh certainly kind of played in that same vein with pentatonics and stuff i think they could really add one end of the spectrum and i think chuck and peter Steele could do the other side of it and then just marry the two and have nick just drive it all home that's awesome man i i <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> sorry uh i am a huge huge fan of chuck Schuldiner mm -hmm. and and death yep and oh man i <clears throat> i listen to them every time i listen to them it's like a single tear down my cheek well you were rubbing your Don't eyes right you now do. i was wondering if you were getting a little misty-eyed at the moment so <laughs> no, no. No, but uh, you know it's, it's really eyed Monday. It's still <laughs> MM. Oh, it, it happens more often than you would think. <laughs> the older I get, the worse it gets. Step inside <laughs> into his mind. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, man. Um, I uh, 
I still need to kind of, I mean, I've got tons of death stuff on discography and I've got some of the James Murphy era and, and then on, on from there. And the guitar player's name is, uh, I'm losing it in my memory. That's the problem with getting old. But um, one of the guys that was in the, on the later albums was uh, King Diamond's guitarist for the longest time too. And uh, fantastic guitar player. And, yeah, that that's the thing that was interesting is Chuck played well with a handful of different people. And James's style was certainly um, very complimentary. And then, you know, even what he did when he went on to Obituary and Testament, you could hear his sound, but then he certainly played well with others too. So that's a, to- that's a topic for another day. But nonetheless, it just yeah. really got me thinking about all those different groups and just my love for their journeys. Um, yeah, Death was always a band that... I mean, he always had great musicians in there. That was the first time I believe I heard of Gene Hoagland, mm-hmm. who is one of the best metal drummers out there. Absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> oh my gosh, I'm losing this. Is it Steve DiGiorgio? Yeah, the bass player. Bass player? Mm-hmm. Yeah, who is in Testament now with Hoagland. So Very cool. Yeah. Awesome, that, awesome musician. Yep. Awesome. And I think we have taken up a lot of Foggy's time. I believe it's his turn now, right? <laughs> Um, I just have a couple guys who play the kazoo, so um, just uh, no, fellas. Anyway, <laughs> well, I'm a huge drummer guy. I love drummers. That's yes. like, and I want to play the drums. And I think my wife would kill me if I took up the drums <laughs> in the home. <laughs> um, so. And obviously, anybody who has listened to this show in the first 20 episodes knows that I love Rush. And obviously, Neil Peart should be there, right? Because Neil is the man when it comes to drums. Mm-hmm. Plus, he can write all the lyrics. That's right. What's that? Yeah, Plus he did. he can write all the lyrics, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wrote all the lyrics, and Getty and uh, Alex wrote all the music, which is really interesting. Um, but, you know... You know, one of my other favorite bands of all time is Smashing Pumpkins, and Jimmy Chamberlain is an amazing drummer for mm-hmm. his generation. Um, and so when I, when I started doing this, I thought, you know what? I jokingly said that my three people would be the members of Rush and then two people just to hand them instruments. <laughs> that would be my five people to be. Um, because those three guys can make music like no other. I mean, anyway. Besides that, so I thought I'm going to go with at least two of them, but then I decided no way, because you know why? Neil Peart is amazing, but you know what? The best drummer of all time, bar none, is Buddy Rich. And if you go back and listen to that guy play, unbelievable, and I'm going to post it in the show notes. There are some uh, drum riffs that he does, and some of them are when he is really old, he plays the traditional style. He's got, you know, with the, the hand on the stick and everything. He is amazing. So he is going to be my drummer for my band. Um, and he can do anything. So I feel pretty good about that. Uh, my guitarist is going to be the greatest riffsman of all time, Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, going along with Jimmy has got to be a great vocalist who can sing to those riffs and that's going to be Jack White. I know that's going to be a surprise for everybody because I was thinking like uh, 
Connor Mason or somebody like that who's got a beautiful voice, voice because Jack White does not have a beautiful voice or something you would think of as a great singer, but he can play over riffs and his own guitar playing is pretty good, but it's not anywhere near where Jimmy Page is. So I think if you put those two guys together, you're going to have something pretty special. And then my bassist has got to be, are you ready for this, guys? I'm waiting. Anybody have a guess? Yes, go. Getty Lee? Yes, because not only can he play bass better than about anybody, but he can also play the keyboards as he's playing the bass. So we got an extra instrument going on at the same time. Loophole. So, I know. It's kind of a loophole kind of thing. And then I've got one spot left, right? So I've got four players. So mm -hmm. I'm going to add um, Sean Crahan, clown from Slipknot. He's just oh, going to stand sure. on the edge of the stage and play a keg. Yeah. With a bat. <laughs> Sweet. So he'll be my fifth member of the group. So I got Buddy Rich and Jimmy Page, Getty Lee, Jack White, and Clown. And a lot of. Ping. Yeah. Ping. Ping. <laughs> but he's got to do it in time. And that's right. the important thing. But really, the key to the band, it really is Buddy Rich because that dude is. I, I went Pretty back sick. and I've been watching a lot over the last couple of years and he is amazing. Mm. It's just crazy that, um, that we all just kind of look at these new people as the, the best musicians in the world, but there are so many people that came before who are just extraordinary musicians and he is top notch. The One forefathers. The yeah. The yeah. forefathers. Uh, hey. Go ahead. Hey, Steve, I got, if you want to check out a drummer, I got a name for you. Paul, you know this guy. Uh, Jojo Mayer. Oh, good God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's <laughs> J-O, J-O, and I think Mayer, like John Mayer, right? M-A-Y-E-R. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jojo. Check him out and get back to me. Yeah. So just to give you a little um, backstory, Jojo's a, a prolific jazz drummer. Uh, Buddy Rich has mm -hmm. got to be one of his big influences. I'm going to go on a quick yeah. Buddy Buddy Rich um, commentary in just a second. But Jojo has also experimented a lot with electronic music and not in the playing synth sense on his behalf. He has a bass player who has some really wicked effects. So it's just very wall and textural kind of crazy sounds out of a Fender jazz bass. And the dude is awesome. Then um, he also had oftentimes will have a keyboardist who's doing little samples and loops and he's doing like jungle drum and bass rhythms, like the dum -dum -ka 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 stuff that's really complex to program, but he's doing it himself by hand. I mean, like his jazz techniques, he uses what's called the Muller technique to really kind of create a circular motion, kind of like what Neil Pert has done. As you probably recall in his career, he, he kind of changed and revamped his style a little bit. So he just was playing a little differently. And um, I think Neil adopted some of that same technique but jojo just really economizes motion so he's swift and he's just every sound is fantastic he's got a snare with a little symbol on yeah. top of it so it's just like <clears throat> crashing as well as being the snare sound so it kind of has that electronic element but everything's organic so i highly suggest giving that a listen and i'll throw some um links up there he has a band called nerve so if you can't find jojo by himself just look up nerve and, and you'll see it and lastly on him there's a, a gentleman i was able to meet in the music industry 
named Teddy Kumpel, who does a lot of loop-based guitar stuff, and he improvises and jams on top of it. And when he goes to cities, when he was at trade shows, he would get a couple of guys, and they would improv his tunes and perform live. And I was looking up some videos on YouTube after we chatted about that, and I actually found him playing with JoJo Mayer and JoJo's bass player in New York. So they were doing his tunes, and what they were doing was – like some of it was extremely simplistic, but my God, did it just drive the tunes home? It sounded incredible. And the beautiful part was with Teddy, every time he had a different duet with him, the songs were reinterpreted and they just took a whole new light. So I'll give you that rabbit hole too. Feel free to check it out. And I'd love to know what you think on it. Yeah, JoJo is cool. crazy. Yeah. He's amazing. So, yeah, definitely. And the last thing, the one thing I wanted to say about Buddy was, I don't know what it is about Buddy in particular. I mean, of course, his technique is incredible. But when you go and listen to him perform, like anytime I see in my right-hand column on YouTube and there's like suggested videos, if something Buddy Rich pops up, you better believe I'm clicking on it and watching it. (laughs) Um, But it could be just the way the technology recorded at that time. It could be just the way the drums were constructed and tuned, but that era just has a sound of its own. And I know Buddy's response with the sticks is a big piece of it too, but there's just this magic with the way the hi-hats speak when he plays and the way the the snare drum, like when he's doing the light stuff versus the harder hits. And even with the kick drum, everything is singing in such a unique way with his playing that I'm just always deeply fascinated to watch him just for that. Not even even you know the technique aside and one of my favorite things he does is when he'll be playing like like a hi-hat solo and he'll put his hand underneath it and he'll be clicking with the stick on the bottom while he's playing on the top too he's like just really mangling that hi-hat and it's just it's just so fun it just becomes a whole new tune in itself he's a showman yeah for sure yeah 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 he's definitely missed yeah and it's interesting too because you notice a lot of of people especially you know and neil had a lot of different drums around him and they spin around and do all this he had a very limited set yeah you know what i'm saying he yes. didn't have all the extra pieces he was just Small brilliant yeah. i love it yeah he was brilliant so <clears throat> all right well that pretty much wraps up the challenge and that leads us to next week's challenge issued by <laughs> metalhead <laughs> the weekly challenge monday what do you have Okay, uh, I've been jotting down some ideas here and there, and I've got a couple I think would be good, but I think I'm going to settle on this one. Um, <clears throat> I've always been a fan of like uh, the album as a whole. Uh, it's great to have favorite songs and favorite tracks off an album or whatever, but I love uh, the idea of sitting down with all the songs you've recorded and sequencing an album. So what I what I want to do is maybe pick three of your favorite album openers. Like the first track that kicks off the album and just kind of nails you to your seat and get, gets your attention, pricks your ears up, and you're ready to listen to the rest of the album. Man. So I will, I will include in that, if you have one that has like, uh, some kind of intro and then into the first track of the album like that's acceptable okay i was going to ask you about that so yeah yeah i think i've got that you guys ready for this mm-hmm. challenge accepted nice okay so that's three <laughs> albums with openers plus a possible open so for tony that's like 27 songs okay and yeah. albums yeah. 
Yep. You no, just making sure. <laughs> Better safe than sorry. Three album openers and 20, you know, honorable mention. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I usually look at uh, an album as a whole, not necessarily as the opener. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. But that's a big piece of it. You know, if it doesn't start strong, you might find yourself drifting pretty quickly. So that's uh, that's a valid challenge for sure. All right. Well, that's next week. But next on this show is the review of Amanda Palmer. Her new album came out this week. Yep. And uh, we, we've listened to it since Friday. I think there were two songs that came out prior to Friday. So between Friday and Sunday, we've had a chance to listen to the album. Have you guys had a chance to really... Uh, you know, uh, Leia, I don't know. It's it's tough for me because we only had like two days really prior mm-hmm. to the show. And um, yeah. we got we got an album that's really in depth. There's a lot of meat here. Yeah. And I've yeah. got some I've got some thoughts about it, but gosh, it's like two days isn't quite enough. So what do you guys think after two days of this album? Same thing. I found myself really wanting to dig into it, but I just did not have the bandwidth to sit down and devote. I wanted to listen to it from start to finish, but I had to ingest it piecemeal. Um, Enjoyed it. Don't get me wrong. And I feel like I got the overall concept of it, but I felt like I wasn't doing it any justice by, okay, I'll have to pick it up another day. And then, you know, of course, listen to it Friday afternoon, then pick it up a little bit Saturday morning before everyone gets out of bed. And I'm in a different mindset than I was Friday afternoon. Right. So, um, right. and I listened to the rest of it today while my daughter was in swim class. So, um, you know, all those three different segments still gave me a great impression of the album, but I just had a hard time, um, you know, having a consistent feel through the entire story. Right. How about yeah, you, Money? Uh, it's two days isn't enough, man. Like, I think I only got through the whole thing one time. And there's a few songs I heard more than once, but it's just, you know, if you have like a whole week where you can come back to it and, you know, walk away, come back. and Or in that week, you know, you might have a couple of chances to sit and listen to the whole thing, but I wasn't enough time. I, I, I've got some thoughts on it, but it really – her music tends to be, tends to warrant uh, a, a hard listen. Mm-hmm. Right. Will. So. Yeah. Who wants to kick off the uh, the review? Um, I, um, I, I, I can. I, I, okay, go ahead, Muddy. Well, I, I just wanted to say, <clears throat> you know, I'm a huge Amanda Palmer fan. I've loved her since I kind of stumbled onto the Dresden Dolls, mm-hmm. um, which was probably around 2008 or so for me. Uh, and, you know, they, they kind of broke up and then she started doing solo stuff, which was awesome. Uh, her album, actually, uh, Who Killed Amanda Palmer, uh, is I love that. Top to bottom, great album. And I actually have I sent away and got an autographed copy of it. Um, and around that same time, she did a an art book that's uh, all photographs. Uh, they're all photographs of her in different death scenes. That is, it is also called Who Killed Amanda Palmer? And the uh, all of the what's the text in that book was written by Neil Gaiman, who is my favorite author. 
in which they are now married and have children and all of that. So that's cool. That's a very interesting dynamic, by the way. I think they're, they seem like yeah. a very complimentary couple. Yeah. But, uh, so anyway, so I'm a huge fan. I love, I love her. I love her work. I like her style. Um, and you know, she's obviously got great taste in men. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so having said that, I did not love this album. I really didn't. Hmm. Uh, you know, it comes up on Spotify. The album cover is awesome. Yeah. I love it. it. There's a little bit of a shock there. You're like, oh, my God, a naked woman. But, uh, you know, it's her. And um, it's just powerful. It's like the pose, the sword. All, like, it's just a very powerful album cover. Um, and... Uh, I'll say at the top, like listening through this, it's kind of like there's a song and an interlude and a song and an interlude through the whole thing. Um, some of the interludes were really cool. Some of them were kind of spacey. Some of them were not great, but mostly the interludes kind of felt unnecessary. It, it didn't really feel like they were connected tissue. It was almost like, oh, I have this little ditty. I'll just throw it in here. So I wasn't crazy about those. Um, a lot of the songs felt too long. There's a couple of 10 minute, or 10 minute songs on there. Um, most of them are over five minutes long. Uh, so a lot of them felt like, you know, could have been cut down or whatever. But I know it's, it's her vision and that's cool, but a little long for me. Uh, <clears throat> there's uh, I'll just touch on some of the songs here. I made notes for most of them, but um, uh, the first real song, The Ride, uh, kind of has kind of to go along with the name, kind of has like a circus carnival feel a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, which was kind of cool. Which that's uh, pretty standard for her. Like, if you go back to the Dresden dolls, a lot of their stuff was like cabaret carnival circusy stuff so that's nothing surprising there um drowning in the sound is probably my favorite song on the album it, it it's gorgeous the piano is gorgeous and um the piano riff and then she she added in like all these layers and some soundscapes in the background and i i, I really 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 like that song um the thing about things uh <laughs> she loves her ukulele mm -hmm. and i do not um <laughs> i, I ukulele is good in small doses and or used with other instruments um it was really the main drive of this song and i did not love it uh, about halfway <laughs> i was going to write your theme on oh. this by the way you know you know eddie oh, better writes man. his songs on a ukulele that's probably you know it's simple to write on i i bet so um, but, better man but yeah the you the you popped up a couple of times on this album and man 
but it's just her and the ukulele. It's not my favorite thing. It's so. an it's not a good ukemism for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I'll I'll see myself it, out. Thanks, folks. <laughs> uh, bigger on the inside was not like that song felt kind of flat to me. Like the, there wasn't a lot of dynamics. Uh, the vocal pattern was pretty much the same. Uh, voicemail for Jill I really like too um, it's a very pretty song um, and the the subject matter I know is and I'm guessing you know because she doesn't come right out and say it but it sounds to me like it's a story of talking about you know all of this stuff it, it, if you do this you're applauded if you do this you know everyone loves you but if you do this then nobody cares or nobody wants to have anything to do with you so it's kind of like a almost a song of uh, support and i don't know if it is it feels like it's kind of about abortion but i'm not sure about that uh, uh it most definitely is yeah yeah okay so which you know that's that tracks for her because she's a huge she's very outspoken on women's rights and FM, <clears throat> that that kind of thing so i figured that's what it was but so yeah it feels like that's basically a song of like you had an abortion nobody wants to have anything to do with you but there are people that will support you and love you and stuff but it's a beautiful song beautiful song uh, mother's confession was weird um yeah it, it was just, it's 10 minutes long 10 and a half minutes long and it just basically it sounds like she's on the phone with her mom or somebody telling all this like talking about her day and it's i don't know it's weird it, i didn't love it um look mummy no hands was I like that one a lot. It's beautiful. It's very sad. Um, kind of, you know, talking about how all these memories of when you're a kid and your mom's there and, you know, kind of striking out on your own. And then at the end, your mom is not there and you miss her. Beautiful song. Beautiful song. Um, so, yeah, Death Thing, the last song was kind of I didn't really have time to kind of analyze the lyrics, but it's very beautiful songs, kind of a good album ender, kind of a, you know, end on a downer, I guess. <laughs> it's the Empire Strikes Back of the album. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, that's kind of where I was. I it's has its moments, but I didn't love it. Uh, but yeah, overall, probably give it a 3.5. Gotcha. Okay. Would you listen to it again? Do you think you're going to go back and revisit it? Probably not as a whole. I would probably seek out the tracks that I really liked mm -hmm. and maybe add them to a AP playlist or something. Gotcha. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. No, that's that's. I'm sorry. If you're talking about her, you have to say AFP because she's Amanda Effing Palmer. So certainly understood. She is like. Totally riding the coattails of Corey Muffucking Taylor. <laughs> CMFT. <laughs> I used to watch that cartoon as a kid. Oh, that was a good one. <laughs> oh, wait. Sorry. So. Uh, Monday, I'll go ahead and. Uh, 
I'll, I'll go ahead and uh, just jump right on where you just left off with my interpretation of the album. Um, I'm going to talk about two songs because I think the album as a whole for me, without being able to dig in multiple times, kind of all feels good. Um, but there were two songs that really stood out. And the one um, that you talked about, you weren't quite sure what it talked about. The, uh, uh, the, the one to Jill, uh, the abortion song. And obviously, you know, I'm very much a pro-life person through and through from beginning to end. I don't, waver on any of that kind of stuff i don't hate this song because i don't feel like this was a raw raw let's go have an abortion song i think it was a support somebody who has a terrible yeah, decision yes. to make and has yes, abortion. very much right yes. and uh, yeah and i i think many of those abortion cases don't fall into that rank but this one does and i i feel like it was a pretty sensitive song and so i absolutely Going into this, thought I was going to hate that song. I did not, because I felt like she was supporting a friend who made a terrible de- or had a horrible decision to make, made the decision, and um, had to live with it. And so they went and supported her. So I, w- I was really absolutely good with that. The other song, which is the one that you hate, Monday, <laughs> because of the ukulele, actually made uh, my wife and I cry. The thing about things. Have you listened or have you read the lyrics as you listen to that song? Uh, no, oh. I, I did not have, here's my thing. And I, I was kind of hoping Tony would be on. So I, cause I know he's a lyrics guy. Uh, usually like, especially on my first listen through, I don't tend to focus on the lyrics a lot. Like I kind of try to listen to the music and yeah. the melodies of the vocals more. Yeah, me too. Uh, and further listening, I'll dive in more on the lyrics. Yeah, so, I, I completely I mean, follow I that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm totally with you because I like the feel of the song. I want to feel if it's making me feel good or whatever. I'm, I'm getting engrossed in this. And there were a couple of things that grabbed me. But man, when I went back and listened to this song, there are just lines in here that just tear you apart. Um, the thing about things for me, and, and I played it with my wife tonight, and, and she cried, were just incredible and you get to the end of that song um the thing about things is that they can start meaning things nobody actually said and if you're not allowed to love people alive then you learn how to love people dead yes, i mean that, that right line, here is just huge it's killer mm-hmm. yeah yeah that um, line caught me i i did i caught that one yeah it was that was pretty brutal yeah, and it goes through this whole song about, you know, the grandfather and this ring. And then um, all of a sudden, the, the song just slows down about this collapsing suitcase and carrying everyone I love in a phone application built to maximize the FaceTime of the friends. And to me, she focuses so long on those three lines. It's like telling us we spend all our time dealing with the FaceTime of our friends, but not actually the, the nitty gritty of our life, the people who are important in our lives. Um, and then all of a sudden it just picks right back up again and talks about all the things that are really important. So it's not just the lyrics that make this song important. It's the way that she wrote it. Um, it's the cadence of, of the song. I mean, everything just works perfectly together. Um, and the, the grandfather's dead. She has the ring. She gets it back and she goes, and I call my grandfather. 
and he didn't answer. And I have to make peace with that fact. And because the thing about things is they start meaning things nobody actually said. I mean, this, this song to me is, is absolutely the song of the album. And uh, it's one that I would probably listen to over and over again. And uh, makes me really like the album as a whole. Gotcha. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. What would you rate it? Um, well, okay. And there were a couple other songs that I really liked. The, the beginning uh, couple songs sound mm-hmm. really cool. I mean, like Mundy said, when you get into it, you just kind of get that feel for music. So mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to go back and dig in. I would probably give this a four out of five. Cool. And there's a song about abortion on there. And I'm somebody who is absolutely against abortion. And I would still give it a four out of five. How about that for being an open-minded person? (laughs) I can respect that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. I guess I I will fill in. I feel a little bad because I was actually anticipating having um, a fuller house. So I was going to kind of sit back and, and let, Monday kind of take the rating uh, and review because he of course has a longer history with Amanda Palmer than I do. I've got who killed Amanda Palmer and I'm familiar with Dresden dolls. And um, I've seen some of her, like she did a Ted talk at one point talking about her days. Uh, That's awesome. Kind of as a busker, if you will, where she was standing as a statue and just the experiences of life and, and hustling to, to make a living. Right. And so her biography is very interesting. And so I've always been fascinated by, her story. Um, and admittedly, I haven't pursued it heavily. I have my sound. I like to go to quite a bit and, and I don't neglect it on purpose. So this has opened up, um, kind of a can of worms for me in terms of, or more of like a rabbit hole, I should say that I, I, I was reminded of an artist. I enjoy Regina Spector. I need to go back and listen to her Mm -hmm. some more and uh, as well. So, um, this is kind of putting me in that mood. Um, I didn't go deep on the songs to review. Again, I had a lot of things going on. I was listening and multitasking, but I wanted to kind of spell out more or less my impression of the album overall. You know, of course, with uh, me being a musician, I looked at the production aspect. I looked at some of the technicalities and, and kind of based my overall impression off of that. I will say that Death Thing was probably one of my favorite songs. You've got this whole Death Thing down. I thought that was cool. Um, in a way, I kind of feel like she's telling her story with some of these experiences too. Like you're talking about the grandfather and, and uh, you know, just the, the conversation with mom. I think, you know, as a parent she's probably kind of coming to terms with some of the the struggles of parenting as far as you know I I had to make this choice and you know hey I wasn't really happy with the way I handled it but I I felt like it was the right thing at that time that you know what I mean so um, you know as a dad I can empathize with that too for sure no put the box crayons down we gotta go I could have been (laughs) kinder but you know what I mean but anyway so um, the things about this album that I really loved it's intimate as hell in that oh yeah the voice is dry it's right here in your face um and not aggressive it's just you feel like she's talking directly to you right here and there the piano is mic'd beautifully and you know there's no space and texture to play with that and distance you at all it's certainly pulling you in she really wants to tell you these words and really wants you to ingest the story. So that caught me right there at the beginning. I was like, okay, this is awesome. And this is really why I want to listen to it in a full setting again. Um, 
and at times when the songs built up, there were, you know, of course, big booming dynamics, there was space and distance there. So it kind of plays on the fact that, you know, maybe something was in the past and there's a little bit of a metaphor with the sound there too, or, you know, something is kind of looming and, and there's textures that really um, kind of supplemented the words, which I thought was awesome. Again, I need to listen to it further to kind of see if I'm right in that, but I really took it as there was space and depth for intentional reasons, not just, Hey, this needs to sound a little better. Um, you know, you were talking about the interludes and how, you know, some of them are cool, but they overall didn't work for you. What I'm seeing may happen. I mean, I could be all wet, but the way this album is laid out, I can almost see this being one big continuous performance from her on stage. And those interludes kind of act as a means for a set change. So there could be some backdrops or little things that supplement the story. And they yeah. use those moments to pull things in. She may have a bit of an orchestration in the background that stays put. She may move to the other side of the stage and play something a little different and just change the pace and then change the mood with uh, either backdrops or, you know, characters that come out and things like that. So I can see that, you know, given that, you know, there's no intermission in the album title, there could be something completely continuous going on with this particular performance, much like a circus hence the vaudeville texture and stuff like that too so um and really that's the long and short um the things that were my big takeaways on this again being busy i didn't get a chance to dig super deep i plan on listening to it again um i'm with steve i'm going to give it a four out of five just from the quality and and just how much it did fire me up to want to listen to it again um i don't think the the songs were terrible yes some of them were long for sure and um there was a couple at times where it was really challenging to focus on them just because something important was going on and i needed to draw my attention elsewhere but um no i i think it was um a cool effort and certainly warrants uh some listens again in the future and i may end up in the same path where you know at the end of the day i find myself wanting to listen to bits and pieces and not the whole thing uh the last piece i'll say with those interludes like you're saying some of them are spacey some of them are textural and trippy i thought some of them are cool i thought they were cool little standout moments on their own and some of them may not be indicative of her typical style but i certainly appreciated them and can see them in, you know, kind of the things that I like to listen to on a day-to-day basis. Some of the little gritty elements or just the orchestration and the way the chord voicings and stuff were, I thought that, uh, you know, they certainly just had some cool little moments that, that stood out, but didn't necessarily fit a particular piece, like, like one of the longer songs per se, but it was a nice little standout moment and transition so um we'll see how this goes i'll be interesting to see what what uh, the tour information unfolds and just how this uh pans out for but i definitely um I, I wish her the best on on uh you know the tour of this and and uh the support and i look forward to reading some other reviews and kind of see what that information brings as far as like the backstory too yeah uh, i would clarify I did not hate the interludes. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were very cool, but overall, I don't know. And this might have to do with Spotify, just you know, having ad breaks and stuff. But it just felt like they were unnecessary, mm-hmm. and because it didn't really feel a lot of time when you have interludes, not skits. That's a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. But if you have like a musical interlude, it's kind of connective tissue yeah and these didn't really feel like that to me so and they weren't terrible but i right. just felt like they 
weren't necessary. I understand. Yeah. And if I said hate, I didn't mean that by any means, but it, I certainly got the vibe that you're like, hey, you know what? I could just have done with the songs. I mean, that's the impression I yeah. got you're saying. So, yeah. And I would, I would also like to say, um, you touched on her voice a little bit. And I would say her voice is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And she is not, I would not consider Amanda Palmer to be like a she's definitely not a classically trained singer i don't think and her voice is unique it's not always perfect Mm -hmm. it's she has moments where you're almost kind of like really but Mm -hmm. she but it works for her and i i appreciate unique voices i mean you know, I, I love Tom Waits. I love, you know, I like different. Yeah. I like a lot of different kind of voices. Yeah. And something that's unique is catches my interest. And her voice is certainly that. Sometimes she, her voice is very beautiful. Yeah. And um, sometimes it's a little harsh and, but it works. She makes it work. Uh, one of my favorite things that she does is sometimes she almost uses her voice as a percussive instrument mm-hmm. along with the piano. And when she does that, it's really cool. It's just kind of a really cool thing. She pops in every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. And given her background too, with kind of street performing and things like that, I think that that biography really plays well into the complimentary nature of her style as well. Um, so yeah, no, no, uh, no disregard whatsoever there. I think, you know, like you're saying with Tom Waits and stuff like that, all of them have a unique perspective on the way they present music. And I don't have a problem with that by any means, you know, they're not auto tuning. They're not trying to compensate for something that they feel they may lack and they're not striving for perfection. They're striving for art. And I completely embrace that 100%. Yeah, well, I I disagree with you guys one hundred percent. I thought the uh, the interludes were connective tissue that that uh, connected the songs. I thought they flowed really well. I didn't have any um, advertisements or anything, so I pay for a service. So um, I thought they flowed seamlessly, and um, uh, I do agree. Her voice is appropriate when it's appropriate. It's beautiful at times, and other times it's raw. And um, yes. it just depends on the nature of the song. And there were even in the, the song that I loved, there were points where it was beautiful and there were points that it was simply raw telling a story. But I think that's important. Um, and I think uh, JPP, you just said it, it's art. And um, it's the totality of the whole thing when you're getting that picture. And mm-hmm. um, for me, if it can make us, if it can move us to cry, it works. Yeah. And so for us, that's it. I mean, that's the whole shebang. So, um, anyway, it sounds like all of us have pretty positive things to say about Amanda Palmer. And, um, next week, our review is going to be a little different because, um, we're going to be reviewing, uh, Mark Morton and, uh, it's anesthetic and it's going to be him featuring a lot of other people, including, Chester Bennington, who passed away. So that'll be really cool to hear that that uh, voice from the grave. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Um, I will say, just for people that don't know, if anybody's listening and doesn't know, Mark Borton is the guitarist for 
band Lamb of God. Uh, he's kind of a riff beast. He's responsible for a lot of their, you know, heavy riffs. And he's a good guy. Everything I've seen, he seems like a really good guy. He's kind of soft-spoken and shy, but man, he's an awesome guitar player. And this is just kind of his first solo album, and he got a lot of his friends to sing on the tracks, and it, it's really good. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to be our review for next week. And to finish off this episode, gentlemen, what have we been listening to this week? JPP? Well, I listened to Amanda Palmer when I could, for sure. Um, <laughs> that was that was awesome. And that was the key mm-hmm. thing. I mean, if this came out earlier in the week, I would have had a lot more bandwidth with it. But um, no, I, I dug deep into, um, with the passing of Keith Flint, um, we didn't speak on that this week. Mm-hmm. That that bummed me out because The Prodigy is a group yeah. as you know, someone who loves electronic music, they were an integral part of my electronic music journey. Um, had the pleasure of seeing them live at a Lollapalooza along with tool and failure. Yes. I mean, you were at that show too. Say, yeah. I wanted to say something about that was that, you know, going into that show, I had no idea what to expect from the prodigy. Cause I'm like, it's a dude pushes buttons, mm-hmm. but they were amazing. Yeah. They were so good and so energetic. And he was, Keith Flint was a huge part of that. And yeah, that's real sad that he decided to take his own life or whatever. Yeah. And Johnny Lydon, Johnny Rotten um, from the Sex Pistols, actually uh, TMZ had a video where they asked him about it and he was completely devastated. And he was like, please, anybody, if you're struggling, call me. I want to talk to you. I hate that we live in an era where people don't check on each other. And he's absolutely right. Um, So, you know, that said, you know, I want to say that to people too. I have a lot of friends who have a lot of ups and downs, myself included. We all have our days as a creative person. Um, you know, as an artist, we all seek validation in one shape, way, shape or another. Um, Devin Townsend said it, be- said it best. He's like, I'm a musician because I seek validation from people. I want to be approved and loved in some way. And, you know, by all means, if, uh, you know, you, you need to, just reach out to somebody, even just to hear something, please don't hesitate. If you know me, call me. If you want to, touch base with us on the wanderings and wool gathering Facebook page, you know, send us a message. We're happy to talk and connect and talk music, anything to kind of help lift spirits. I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. So on from that, I listened to a lot of prodigy this week. I sent you guys a remix that pendulum did. There was a cool music video involved with the prodigy in it. That was a lot of fun. Um, kind of put me in a rabbit hole for some other electronic music too, like Goldie and uh, Portishead. Um, they're live album with the orchestra is one of my favorite live albums of all time um excuse me yeah there's, there's no denying that whatsoever um so that was a big piece of it i had a podcast on my playlist for a long time and wanted to listen to it but i've never had a chance to sit down and listen because i know what happens and it happened last night it's called henry and heidi it's henry rollins and his assistant heidi and uh they sit and talk and i listened to an episode last night and i was trying what i'll do is i'll listen to a podcast and just to kind of help me relax and fall asleep sometimes especially when i'm after a creative session and i'm wired 
that was not the case because Henry is just so interesting that you just want to listen to the whole story. And it was his <laughs> talking about his time with Ozzy Osbourne and how he met Ozzy and, and got to open for him and got to go hang out at the black Sabbath reunite reunite show. And you know what I mean? So when they reunited, I should say, sorry, I, I get a little disjunct in my conversation, but um, the thing that I took away from that, that kind of really gave me chills was he said that during the shows when black Sabbath played together again for the first time in England, um, you know, Sharon made him kind of be press and interview people or make sure that the press was accommodating to the bands and stuff. Um, he got to talk with Brian May for a few and he interviewed him a bit and they had a quick conversation and Brian ended the conversation with, Hey, by the way, I wanted you to know that Freddie really loved black flag. And Henry, all he said was, I don't know how to process that, but please, but thank you for letting me know. And it was just like, wow, you know, that had to be a surreal moment for, for humble Henry in the grand scheme of things. So um, if you get a chance, check that out. You know, Henry's one of those guys that I, when I met him, he was just, you know, very okay. You talk to me, I have to move on because I don't know how to handle people. I don't know very well, you know, and I'm not prepared for this, but uh, you know, he's just always got great spitfire stories and his adventures are, are always fascinating. So Henry and Heidi, that's what I was up to. Very cool. Yeah. Henry is a workaholic. I yeah. mean, yeah, he's writing constantly. He's, uh, I just look to him and think, man, that's what I could be doing. You know? <laughs> right. Seriously, I mean, he's inspirational for mm-hmm. sure. And what's interesting about him too is he always is self-deprecating that you know I don't know why I deserve this, but you know somebody let me speak for twenty bucks, and then hey, you should do it again. And you know he's just really brilliant and just energized. And even if he doesn't feel like he's capable, he gives it his all, and it always pays out for him. So um, just just too cool. What you said is why he deserves all of our adulation. Yep. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Monday, what are you listening to? Um, mostly podcasts at work, and that's, there's too many to mention. I will say, uh, I was looking forward to seeing one of my podcast favorite podcasts is a storytelling podcast called Risk, and it is I love it. It's one of the ones I look forward to every week. And they were in Indy doing a live show over this past, not this weekend, but the past weekend. But we, we were out of town, so I was not able to go. I was super bummed about that. So hopefully they come back. But uh, um, music-wise, uh, not – it's funny. Listening to Amanda Palmer, like I kind of – I listen to this album, but I also listen to some other of her songs that I like and stuff. But – Listening to her always makes me want to listen to more piano music. So I listened to Tori Amos, who I absolutely adore. Um, so I was listening to some of her stuff and um, not not a ton. I've been actually diving into some uh, playlists on Spotify, but it's like, I don't know who does it. I mean, it's the ones that they put up, you know, it's like... Um, 80s hard rock and you know, <laughs> stuff like that so i've just been kind of put on one of those in the background when i'm doing stuff or whatever when i'm reading or whatever did uh, like white lion show up in the mix uh not in that one i don't think there was some good stuff in there you would have loved like you know i was jamming out on some uh, slaughter oh nice <laughs> so up all night baby oh, 
quick thing. I'm sorry. I just have to say it because as soon as you said <laughs> that, it made me think of it. So one of our mutual friends, Andy, worked at the guitar shop with him for years. Yes. Has an awesome backstory on on Slaughter. So when they broke that debut album. <laughs> does yeah well here's the crazy thing so they recorded the album they tuned it the guitars in standard they you know mark sung it killed it all that stuff but the exec said mark you sound like a woman singing your voice is too high so they went back in the studio recut the guitars they well they cut the album down a full step to d and he had to sing it down a bit so you know they felt like it was a little more you know kind of gritty and, and okay. uh you know manly for lack of a better way to say it so. <laughs> that was, so that was before the finished product yeah so basically you know the the album version that didn't get released was even higher so his range was that much more impeccable than we even ever, ever knew that's nuts yeah yeah so that's too cool excellent how well, about you man i'm not I, I didn't listen to a ton obviously uh amanda palmer a few days um, listening to some podcasts, but um, after the news came out um, of the Slipknot tour, that uh, Volbeat would be the next, I guess, the headliner before the band. It's pretty, yeah. It was really exciting yeah. to me because the the 2013 so album, good. yeah, Outlaw Gentlemen and Shady Ladies was. I love that record, and I love the one from 2016 too. But um, Lola Montez, Lonesome Rider with Sarah Blackwood, uh, Doc yep. Holliday, and then Black Bart with Rob Caggiano playing on guitar. Was Those are just primo. And Michael Polson's voice. And I think I sent you a text this week. It's kind of like Danzig meets James Hetfield. But I think you could yeah. throw a little bit of share in there on some of those with the vibrato. Ow. But his voice is killer. And I can't wait to hear that in concert. And um, and uh, yeah, I, I listened to some Gojira this week too because um, I'm just excited to not say uh, Godzilla. What Gojira? I'm really excited to say that <laughs> yeah. when it comes down. <laughs> I saw them with Mastodon, and uh, yeah, man. oh my I'd god, yeah. yeah, both just blew me away. Great stuff. <laughs> when they come on the stage, you have to like run away from the stage. Gojira. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's speak, fantastic. Speaking of. <laughs> I you know, I already told you guys, but I will be bum rushing the pit tomorrow night. My yes. nephew had an extra ticket for Metallica, and he, he asked awesome. if I would go. And I haven't seen him in 25 years. Last time we saw him was with Suicidal and Danzig. So, oh, yeah. you know, I'm really – yeah, Jim Brewer's opening up, and I'm really looking forward to this. You know, he was going to take my sister. Um, she had to back out, and I, I think, honestly, she didn't want to go. I think she, you know, had seen Metallica in the past and said, why don't you ask your uncle and uh, let me think, yes, I'd be happy to. So yeah. uh, we're heading down early and, and uh, getting some good, good uh, standing spots. And, you know, I will definitely report back next week on my uh, adventure. I hope it's a fun one. I know that I've seen some uh, wow. videos from friends that they're doing some choreographed drones or some really cool like screens coming from the top of the ceiling and stuff. So there'll be an interesting visual presentation as well as just, being you know a few feet away from Hetfield and the crew I'm I'm just like completely ecstatic it, I told my wife that you know there's certain people I've met that I've been excited to meet but you know being that close to them it, it, these guys have been in my life since sixth grade and so they've right. been an integral part of my musical journey and so this is a huge sentimental adventure that I'm looking forward to going on 
job. So happy um, for you, man. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. 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 It's awesome. Uh, I, are they still playing in the round or do they have like a stage at one end? No, they're doing the round. Um, so they got like cool. the pit awesome. section cause he showed me the tickets yeah. and it said general admission. I was like, you're kidding me. And I went and looked at the seating chart and I was like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you sprung for the pit, but that is totally yeah, cool. That's nuts. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he said, I, he said, if I was going to go get my face melted, I'm going to do it a hundred percent. So I was like, that's cool. Awesome. You know, and there, for my sister, there was no topping. He surprised her with tickets to Stevie Nicks one time. Like she knew she was going because Stevie Nicks is her favorite artist, but he got her third row seats. And so when the, the person escorted them to the seat, like, how far are we? He's like, oh, just you wait. We'll get there and all this stuff. Once they got the third row, she just completely melted and started bawling. I can't believe you did this. And that's awesome. It was probably one of the best nights of her life. So, you know, he's a generous kid and love him to death. And I, I'm really humbled that he thought of me and I look forward to going into my, my other brother's going to be there too. So it's going to be a family reunion and a little rowdy. Nice. <laughs> very, very cool. I can't wait to hear about it next week. Right on. All right, fellas, that's going to wrap up another great episode, but first, where can we uh, find you on social media? JPP. Look for me at Instagram under Just Plain Paul. You can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Spell it all out. We'll be on Facebook and we'll also be on Instagram. So connect with us there. We're finding silly memes and music news, things of that sort, and posting when possible. So um, I know the website is around the corner. Teabags is certainly working on that. So uh, you know we'll keep you updated <laughs> once that goes live. And we'd like to thank Teabags for his hard work in that uh, adventure. And you know, we'll certainly add to that and, and make sure that you get the podcast episodes as well as poignant articles along the way. Awesome. Monday, where can we find you? I'm on Facebook just under my name, Jeremy Mundy, M-U-N-D-Y. Um, and my wife, Lacey, and I share an Instagram. We are the Munsters. It's T H E underscore M U N D S T E R S. Uh, and you guys have been trying to talk me into starting my own Instagram, the Metalhead Monday Instagram. So I've been thinking about doing that. So if I if I get that up and running, I'll let you guys know. Yeah, that'd be awesome because I know you always find cute, cool, not cute, cool little tidbits of uh, <laughs> uh, you know metal news, and I think you can sprinkle that along the web nicely. Uh, also, if you guys want to get into the cute side of Instagram, look up Sammy Graham eighteen S A M M Y. G G R A M 18. That's my French bulldog and I, we kind of sit around and make faces and stuff. So um, he's a good dude. He's definitely kind of kept things moving since we had to say goodbye to Rocco. And he's been, if it wasn't for him, I'd, I'd certainly be a lot more blubbery than I am now. I did love the uh, dude and his turtle picture. <laughs> Oh man, he just makes faces and it's hilarious. I'm trying to get a picture of him when he's grinning because he just grins real quickly, but it's a complete smile and it's ridiculous. It's, it's great. <laughs> well, we have a new addition to our pet family. Oh yeah? My my daughter came home today with a freaking hamster. Oh nice. Oh yeah, I saw and... her complaining about it already. Oh shit, it's awful. <laughs> it just runs nonstop. It's terrible. And I went up to her room today and I said, What do you do with that? And she said, I'm returning it tomorrow. <laughs> it runs nonstop on that stupid wheel. It's ridiculous. But uh we have two dogs and dogs are amazing. Hamsters are not. But uh anyway, you can find me 
Foggy's <laughs> pal. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, um, and over at uh, breakthefourth.com. And you can find this podcast as well over at uh, Blue HQ Media. And uh, I think we all need to root on Jeremy Mundy as he becomes Metalhead Mundy on Instagram. So we can get more of our Backstreet Boys. And uh, who else do we need to see on there? Uh, Michael Buble, uh, NSYNC. Probably. Savage Garden. Yeah, NSYNC, uh, no, I was thinking. Not, not a Buble guy. What? No. Michael Bublé. No, actually, I'm not going to dice Michael Buble because he has a hockey rink in his basement. Um, hey, there you go. Yeah, so um, we'll just look for Backstreet Boys news from Metalhead Monday on his website. How's that sound? Yeah, I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> yeah. And, and if your daughter has a change of heart on that hamster, I hope she starts a hamster gram for it so we can all be updated on its uh, adventures. <laughs> and uh, day 35, still running. <laughs> Squeak, squeak, squeak. I think it's I think it's more likely that Monday will follow Justin Bieber on any social media than Sistine continues with that <laughs> stupid hamster. Oh, Man, that's I know that's yeah, that's, that's how desperate that's this family right is. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thank you everybody for listening this week. Next week we're going to find our three favorite album openers, and uh, we're going to be reviewing Mark Morton from Lamb of God, his new album Anesthetic. So we will see you all next week. Thank you so much. Thanks, Monday. Yep. Step inside into his mind. It's been time. It's Metalhead Monday. <laughs>